0: had i would call perspective he had an eternal perspective the way the way that we think about things the way that we look at things our point of view really changes our attitude when we walk through things would you say that's true like the way you think about things when you're a kid versus the way you think about things now two totally different things think about christmas when you're a kid woohoo! when you're an adult it's like oh man didn't we just do this like, we ain't paid off last Christmas, you know? And you and, and, uh, think about birthdays when you're a kid, woohoo! Can't wait till I'm 16, 18, 21, and then as they keep rolling, you're like, oh, wait. I keep getting older every year. And then eventually it becomes I'm still alive. You know, I'm doing good. God loves me. That sort of thing. And so as you progress through life, your perspective is going to change. The way that you think about the world around you is going to change. You're going to be scared of the dark when you're a kid. You'll be happy to see it come when you're an adult because you get sleep. see some amazing things that take place. Whether you're a teacher or a student, school has a different you know, uh, you have a different perspective on those sort of things. And so, from where you're standing, the way that you look at life is going to change the way you respond to your, uh, your circumstances, the way you respond to your situation. Well, if you take the long view, you take the eternal view, you're going to have one attitude. And if you take the short view, the temporary view, you're going to have a totally different way of thinking about things and a totally different response. And so, well, as we walk through the life of Joseph this morning... We're going to see that just like us, he went through hard times, he went through difficult times, but he kept an eternal perspective. And so, and first off this morning, I want to see that just like us, Joseph was betrayed by those he loved. Just like us, Joseph was betrayed by those he loved. Uh, now, we, we all have, if you had siblings growing up, you probably had a little bit of rivalry about who was the favorite, right? Right? There was no question in my house. I was the favorite. I mean, there was no doubt my brother... No, I'm just kidding. My my brother claims that, but he got all the special attention and treatment. I I didn't get anything. I was, you know, we are both favorites, if you ask mom. But but anyway, we we all struggle with that, right? Well, in Joseph's case, there was no argument. There was no question about who was the favorite. He was the youngest uh, child of Jacob at the time before Benjamin, his little brother, comes along. Well, he was born to Jacob's favorite wife, Rebecca. And Jacob's favorite wife, Rebekah, gave birth to Joseph. And Joseph, I mean Jacob, uh, Israel, uh, poured out his love on his son Joseph and said, this is my favorite child. And he made no bones about it. He made Joseph a coat of many colors. It's a new favorite song in our home we've been listening to dolly parton's version of code of many colors it it shows that joseph is the favorite he gets the new cl- new school clothes and nobody else gets anything like that's who joseph is he gets to chill at the house while everybody else goes out and does work i think maybe jacob was trying to keep him separated from the other boys because they weren't good influences they were, they were busy you know killing people and doing terrible things and so jacob kept joseph home well, Joseph has a dream. He has a dream, and he goes and he tells his dad and he tells his brothers. He says, listen, guys, God has given me a vision of my future, and in the vision of my future, the meaning of the dream is this. I am going to be standing there, and you guys are going to come and bow down to me. You're going to come and bow at my feet. That's the basic gist of the dream that God gives to Joseph. His brothers don't like that. He's already their daddy's favorite, and now it appears that he's God's favorite. In fact, in, in Genesis thirty-seven, eleven, it says that when he shared this with him, his brothers became jealous of him. But his dad kept this thing in his heart. And so he has this dream that says, my dad and my brothers are going to come and bow before me. And he simply shares God's Word with them. He simply shares God's vision for his future with them. And they hate him for it. And they continue to hate him. And they can't even say anything nice to him. They don't have anything nice to say at all. And so they get sent out, his brothers get sent out into the field to do shepherding work. And while they're out in the field doing shepherding work, Jacob sends Joseph out to check on his brothers. Because they're always getting into trouble. And so he puts on his coat of many colors to show that he's the favorite. And he goes to check up on his brothers who've been doing the work. So Genesis 37 verse 18. Genesis 37 18. <clears throat> And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him. And the reason Reuben says this, we find out here in verse 22, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So one of his brothers didn't want to kill him, but the rest of them did. They're jealous of him. That's a wonderful family, right? One of, all of his brothers but one want to kill him. Look at verse 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. And they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Uh, then they sat down to eat. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah, verse 26 here, Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh, and his brothers listen to him. And so, right here in verse 27, uh, you've got to love Judah. He's the, he's the guy with the mind for business. He's like, man, we kill this guy, we don't get anything out of it. We pull him up out of the pit and we sell him, at least we make a little money off of it. I mean, do we really want to kill our own brother? I mean, he is our own flesh and blood. Let's just sell him into slavery. That's so sweet of Judah, isn't it? That's so nice to look out for his brother in this way. He's our own flesh. We don't want to kill him. Let's make a buck. Let's make a profit off of our brother. And so they decide to sell him. Verse 28, Then the Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him up out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. So Joseph's brothers betrayed him because they were jealous. They sold him as a common slave because they were jealous of what God had told him he was going to do through him. They were jealous because of the way their father had treated Joseph in comparison to them. Was it fair? Probably not. Was it the right thing for his dad to treat Joseph different than the rest of them? Probably not. Did Joseph deserve to die? No. Did he deserve to be sold as a slave? No. They had allowed their jealousy to push them to the point that he, they were willing to sell out their own brother for a profit, their own flesh and blood. This, this lesson here is important for us, guys. Joseph had done what he was supposed to do. He was simply the good kid that his daddy loved, that God loved, and that God was going to use. He would simply done what he was supposed to do, and for that, out of jealousy the people who he loved and trusted betrayed him i think we can all relate on some level we've all been betrayed at some point by people just because they're jealous because the, the truth is is no matter who you are how much you care or how hard you try some folks just ain't gonna like you you know in the words of a great theologian haters gonna hate right i mean you just got to shake it off right that's what I tell my wife all the time she's hating. I'm like, just going to shake it off. We, we learned that song a long time ago. But uh, there's truth there. But anyway, so hater's going to hate. And that's just the truth. In Joseph's life, there were people constantly who hated him for no good reason at all. They didn't think he deserved God's gifts. They didn't think he deserved what God was doing through him. And so because of their jealousy, they betrayed him. They mistreated him. But he kept serving. He kept obeying because of his perspective. He knew what God had called him to. He knew what God had called him to do, and he was willing to do it even if it cost him. Even if his brothers didn't like him, even if they were going to sell him into slavery, he was going to do what God had called him to do. Guys, we can't allow people who are jealous to rob us of the blessing of serving the Lord. We can't allow fear to keep us from serving the Lord. And on the flip side, we can't allow our jealousy to rob us of rejoicing with those who rejoice. As believers in God, we ought to be praising God when He blesses those around us. We ought not be hating them. We ought not be envious of them. We ought to be loving them and loving the Lord for serving through them, for using them to do great things. We ought not be talking about folks just because they got a better job or more money or more attention or more gifts from the Lord. We ought to be serving the Lord faithfully alongside them and rejoicing that God is using His people. It's not our business to decide who gets to do what. It's our business to love Him and serve Him and worship because of what God is doing. And so Joseph serves the Lord and because he serves the Lord, he's betrayed by those he loved. Secondly, Joseph is falsely accused, just like us. He does what is right, and because he does what is right, he is falsely accused. In verse uh, 36, we read what happens to Joseph. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. And so he gets sold to the captain of the guard, not a small guy. He gets sold to a guy who's, uh, who's a you know, big big name in the egyptian government he's the captain of the egyptian guard he's a high-ranking military official so things are starting to look up a little bit We come to genesis 39 verse 1 genesis 39 verse 1 now joseph had been brought down to egypt and potiphar an officer of pharaoh the captain of the guard an egyptian had brought him from the ishmaelites or bought him from the ishmaelites who had brought him down there The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. Notice that God had not left Joseph. When Joseph left his family, when Joseph was sold into slavery, God had not left him. The Lord was with Joseph in all that he did. So much so that this pagan, this man who did not worship God, saw that God was with Joseph, saw that the Lord was with Joseph, saw that he succeeded in whatever he did. Guys, God is faithful even when the people around us betray us. God is faithful even when the the situation we're in isn't so good. Joseph served the Lord. His perspective is, I'm going to serve the Lord. And since that's his perspective, God blesses. And God uses him even in the house of slavery. Even in the house of this man who he's a slave to, he gets promoted all the way up to the top, as we'll see here in a minute. Uh, and look at verse 7. <clears throat> and after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. So things were going good. Verse 8 But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of my master, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Do you hear Joseph's point of view on this? His point of view isn't, I could get away with this. No one would ever have to know. I could give in to this temptation and no one would ever have to find out. Now his point of view is, how could I do this great sin against my God? How could I sin against the God who has been faithful to me? How can I be unfaithful to Him? His point of view isn't, oh, I may get found out. His point of view isn't, oh, I may get in trouble. His point of view is, I shouldn't do this because this is wrong. God, so often we look at temptation, we look at situations, we look at sin, and we decide whether or not we want to do it based on whether or not we're going to get caught. If that's your point of view, you have the wrong point of view. It's not whether or not you ought to, you're going to get caught, it's whether or not you ought to. It's whether or not this is sinning against the God who's been faithful to you. So we have to answer this question this morning. And so Joseph's perspective is, God has stood with me, so I'm going to stand with him and I'm going to stand for him. I'm going to resist this lady who won't leave me alone. And so she continues to pursue him, and we come to verse 12. She caught him by his garment. Uh, One day Joseph's in the house by himself with her, and so she sees her opportunity. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. You know, he flees this temptation. He doesn't stick around and try and you know, uh, stick it out and, and be tough or whatever. He flees from it. Verse 13, And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted my voice up and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then verse 16 says, Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. Verse 17, And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to laugh at me, but as soon as I have lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. So Joseph did what was right. He did what God would want him to do. He fled temptation. But that doesn't mean he doesn't look guilty. The evidence supports the fact that Joseph had done something wrong because this woman was willing to lie to get what she wanted. She's willing to lie to hurt Joseph because she felt betrayed, because she felt as though uh, he had done something against her because she couldn't have what she wanted. Guys, sometimes doing the right thing costs us. Sometimes standing for the Lord is going to cost us. There are some people who are going to accuse you no matter what you do. No matter how you respond, no matter how hard you try to do the right thing, sometimes folks are going to accuse you anyway. And here's the truth. You can come up with all kinds of evidence if you want to. And so that's what this woman does. She comes up with all this evidence against him, even though he'd done the right thing. Even though he'd done what was right, she accuses him of the most heinous of crimes. Of this attempted rape and and so because of that because of her accusation and because she's the the man's wife he has to believe her he believes this woman and because all the evidence supports it he believes her even though it's completely wrong even though joseph had done what was right he still is found guilty God, sometimes we find ourselves in situations where it may cost us to stand up for what's right it may cost us to flee that temptation It may cost us to to tell the truth. And and we we may lose out on that promotion. We may lose out on friends. We may lose out on, on being as popular as maybe we could have been. But we can't allow Satan to determine our actions. We can't allow him to determine our destiny. We can't allow him to determine how we're going to respond. Fear of Satan, fear of the consequences of doing right, should never be more than our fear of God who we serve. Just because he he may get you in trouble. Just because it may cost you. So what? The, there's a much greater cost of not being faithful to the Lord. Joseph decides it's better to do what is right and pay the price than to do what is wrong and live on easy street. And so he does what is right. And because he does what is right, he's thrown in prison. Verse uh, 22 of chapter 39 says this. You think at this point Joseph would have given up. I may have given up at this point. I hope I wouldn't, but... But Joseph, you, you would think maybe this guy's given up. He's thrown in prison. But look at what happens in thirty nine twenty two, And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. And so even in prison, even in the pit of despair, the Lord is with him. The Lord is with him in the the pit of slavery. The the Lord is with him in the pit of despair. In in prison for something he didn't do, God is still with him. God has not abandoned him. His family may have betrayed him. He may have been falsely accused and falsely found guilty, but God is with him. And because God is with him, he's still seeing God's blessings. And because God is with him, even this man who's in charge of the dungeon sees God, God at work in his life. Guys, it doesn't matter what sort of situation you find yourself in. It doesn't matter how tough it is. All that matters is, is that you continue to serve the Lord and be faithful to Him. And as you do that, other people will say, man, look at God at work. Look at how God is working through that guy's life. Look how God is working through that woman's life. Look at how God continues to use them no matter what this world throws at them. Because He is faithful. Is with Joseph all the way through this, and Joseph keeps this perspective. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to obey Him because He is faithful. He is willing to serve the Lord no matter what. And so Joseph may have been falsely accused, and he may have been abandoned, and he may have been been betrayed. But he continues to stay faithful to the Lord. But Joseph's troubles aren't quite over just yet. You see, because he is also forgotten, just like us. He's in he's in prison for a while and. As he's in prison, a couple of the king's officers, a couple of the king's officials, they get themselves in trouble. And so they have to come to prison with Joseph. Well, while these guys are in prison with him, they have dreams. And they they come to Joseph and they say, Hey, man, we had these weird dreams. Can you interpret them for us? And Joseph says, who can interpret but God alone? And he says, but you know what? I can help you out. I can, I, I can interpret them for you. you. Tell me what the dreams are. So they tell him. And then we come to verse 14. He says, I'm going to tell you the dreams, but you have to do something for me. Genesis 40, verse 14. Only remember me. So Joseph says, I'll interpret the dream for you. But then here in verse 14 of chapter 40, only remember me when it is well with you and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and so get me out of this house for I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews and here also I've done nothing that should put me into this pit. He says, man, I will help you guys out. Just remember me. Just remember that God that I'm here not because it's something I did but because other people have mistreated me. Help me out. Throw me a bone. And so he stayed faithful to the Lord all through this. And so he says, just, you know, I'll interpret the dream. And he does interpret the dreams for them. He says, just remember me. But soon as they get out, they forget him. In fact, one of them dies. And then the other one who doesn't die, we read in verse 23 of chapter 40. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Guys, I I just want to let you in on a secret. There will be people in your life that you will do things for. And you will help out in times of need that will forget you. They will forget what you have done for them. They will have a short memory and they will forget how much you have been over to try and help them and serve them in the name of the Lord. That doesn't mean we stop helping. doesn't mean we stop serving. doesn't mean we allow those people to, to cut off our heart, to cut off our love for others. Joseph, he was forgotten, but he was still faithful to the Lord. He continued to serve the Lord. But, but Joseph, he was forgotten. He's sitting there in prison. And I, I, need, I need to hurry, so I'm going to move on. Uh, uh, he's sitting there in prison. And as he's sitting there in prison, this guy who gets restored back to Pharaoh and gets restored back to the government um, is sitting with Pharaoh. And Pharaoh has these dreams. He can't interpret the dreams. He doesn't know what's going on. And so he calls for this guy named Joseph that he met in prison. Imagine that you're one of the king's uh, right-hand men in in the government and the Pharaoh. He's having a hard time interpreting the dream. And you say, Hey, I have a prison buddy who might be able to help us out. Remember back when you were thinking about killing me? I met a guy back in prison who may be able to help us out. He said, Why don't you talk to him? Maybe he can help you. Maybe he can uh, give you the advice you need, give you the counsel you need. So they call Joseph up from prison. And Joseph says, Listen, this is what your dream means. You're going to have seven years of famine. And seven year, or You're going to have seven years of plenty, then seven years of famine. Use the seven years of plenty to get through the seven years of famine. This is God's way of warning you that you need to use everything that you're about to get to make it through what you're about to go through. And so the Pharaoh says, sounds good to me. You're in charge. Look at verse 38 of chapter 41. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot. And then they called out before him, bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up a hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And so God pulls Joseph all the way up out of prison and puts him at the, the right hand of the guy in charge of the whole nation. This man who has been betrayed, this man who has been falsely accused, this man who has been forgotten, now God is going to use to save this whole nation from starvation. He's going to use him to do things that he never even dreamed of. He dreamed of his family bowing down to him. He never dreamed of a whole nation. The entire nation is going to come to Joseph and and ask for uh, his approval. Nothing will happen in this entire nation without him saying so all because he had stayed faithful to the Lord, God is going to use him to save not only the the nation of Egypt, but his own family. You see, the famine does come. God blesses with seven years of good, and then then he brings in seven years of famine. And because of that, Joseph's family is starving to death. And so they end up coming to Joseph, though they don't know it's Joseph. And they come and they bow down and ask for food, and Joseph gives them food, and eventually his whole family comes to live in Egypt everything god had said would happen has happened then eventually jacob joseph's dad dies and as after he dies his brothers who are still so wicked they send to him say hey i I, we just want to tell you that dad before he died he he left word he didn't want you to kill us they were afraid joseph was going to kill him for everything that he had done so, you know, just, just to throw that out there, I don't think Dad would be happy if you killed us. You know, In fact, he left a letter. That was one of his last statements. He didn't want you to kill us. And when Joseph reads it, he weeps because his brothers still don't get it. He doesn't get, they don't get that he's forgiven them. They don't get that he's not bitter and angry towards them for all the wickedness that they've done against him. And so they, they come before him, and here's Joseph's response to them. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 19, Um, in all seriousness, this is point one. (laughs) So, I mean, this is really where I wanted to get to this morning. But Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. I'm about done, but I, I just want us to see this. Here this man has lived a life of betrayal. He's lived a life of being falsely accused and being forgotten. But this is his perspective. This is what got him through it all. This is what guided him when things looked so terrible. He said to them in verse 19, Joseph explains that what they meant for evil, God, God brought about for good. What they meant to do him harm with, God brings about for good. The resources that Joseph has now is actually a result of the wickedness that they had done. And it's those resources that Joseph is going to use to feed them and their families. That's how big God is, guys. God takes this wicked act of these wicked, selfish people, these jealous people, And he does this amazing provision, not just for Joseph, not just for Israel, but for the entire world because it's through this family that God's going to bring about salvation through Christ. But you notice what he says first off is so important. For am I in the place of God? Joseph realizes he's not God. He realizes it's not up to him to figure all this out. It's not up to him to pass judgment. It's not up to him to pass out punishment. It's up to him to trust the Lord. Because our job this morning is not to be God. Our job this morning is not to have all the answers, not to know what the next step is, not to know what our next move is. Our job is to be faithful in the situation He's put us in. Whether that's as a slave in Potiphar's house, whether that's as a prisoner uh, because of a false accusation, or whether that's as the the emperor's right-hand man. We are called to be faithful to the Lord, and He takes care of the rest. It's not our job to have all the answers. It's not our job to know everything about everything. It's our job to be faithful to Him who is faithful. It's our job to trust Him and know that He's going to pass out justice as justice needs to be passed out. Joseph says, it's not my job. You guys will answer to God way scarier than me. Guys, the truth is, just like Joseph, we'll be betrayed. Just like Joseph, we will be falsely accused. We will be forgotten by people but never by God. He will never abandon us, whether we're in the pit or whether we're on the right hand of the throne. He will be with us and He will use us for His great glory. So I, and I don't know. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what this year is thrown at you or this week is thrown at you or this month is thrown at you. But I know this. You trust on the Lord because He is with you. He knows what's going on. He knows what's up. He knows the the trouble you are in. He knows the the struggles you're facing. And He's calling you to trust in Him. He's calling you to depend on Him. He's not calling on you to plan your next move. He's not calling on you to to weave through all this stuff and figure out how you're going to manipulate this and manipulate that. He's calling on you to simply believe Him and trust Him and depend on Him. Because the truth is, He takes the worst of the worst, the worst things ever, and makes the greatest good. Because I I want you to think about this just for a moment, and 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 I'll finish out. When we think about what God does when He takes what is bad and turns it into what is good, think about the cross of Jesus. Maybe the the single most evil act in the history of the universe. The, The people took the Son of God, the perfect Son of God, and they hung Him on a cross, and they spit on Him, and they mocked Him, and they said, You're not our King. If you are our King, come on down, prove it. They hung him there after beating him beyond recognition as he is suffocating in his own blood until he says, it is finished, and he gives up his spirit. He gives up his life on our behalf. Maybe the single most evil thing to ever take place, the single most evil thing to ever take place, to kill the perfect son of God, to murder him, falsely accuse him, his own disciples who he had spent three years training and walking alongside but just walk away from him, forget about him, deny him. Yet here he is. He dies and then three days later, this very act of evil is the, the, the very thing that's going to save us all because when he's on the cross, he's being punished for our sins. Justice is being carried out on, on, on the Son of God for what we have done. And God uses that act to provide us with life to provide us with eternal life. You see, the the grain that Joseph could offer his family, it it would keep them alive for years to come, but not for eternity. What Jesus provides for us through the cross is eternal life, life forever. Guys, this morning we need a new perspective. I know, life is tough. Life is hard. There are things in this world that are not fair but they're temporary. I know when we're younger, it seems like birthdays will never come, but they come and then eventually we, they, they just start zooming past and we don't even recognize them anymore. There will become a day, like the Apostle Paul said, where we will finally enter into the glory in, in, uh, of God and he will say, like he said, he said, I, I believe that, I, and I'm convinced that the glory that is to come is not even worthy, that, that these present sufferings are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed the sons of God. And his point was, when you think about eternity versus the temporary struggles we have, there's no comparison. The glory that awaits us, the, the joy that awaits us, is nothing compared, or what we are facing now, is nothing compared to that joy. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Put your eyes back on him. Quit trying to figure it out on your own. You ain't got the answers. He does. And if you've never trusted in him, you've never believed on him, I want to encourage you to do that as well. You would pray with me. God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, I just pray now that you would use this time, this time of invitation, of commitment, of response. Lord, it's just that, a time of commitment and response to you, God, that we'd respond in a way that pleases you, that honors you, that gives you glory. God, we need your help in this place. I need your help. God, we always need you. God, I pray that you would give us the courage to to follow after you, whatever it is that we're facing. God, that you would give us the courage to deal with with whatever it is that we need to deal with. And God, that we would just uh, put our faith in you, that we would trust in you this morning. God, I pray if anyone doesn't know you, that they would come to know you. And God, that we would leave from here today with your praises on our lips, and that we would leave from here today with you in our hearts, and as we leave, that we would share who you are with those we come in contact with. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand with us, and as you stand, we're going to sing. And as we sing, would you come?